الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وأطل الصلاة طرفي النهار وزلفا من الليل إن الحسنات يذهبن السيئات ذلك ذكرى للذاكرين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أحسن خلقك للناس يا معاذ أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم filled with the Masiha and advice. And on many occasions when the Sahaba Ikram came and requested some advice, so after all Rasulullah was Jawami'ul Kalim. Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with the miracle where in a few words he will give volumes of knowledge. He will literally put the ocean in a teacup. And these advices that used to be given used to be a summary of the entire deen. And would be a revision of many, many aspects that are normally discussed individually, separately. All these would be encapsulated in a few words. And what we understand from this is that we are in need of this constant revision, reminder, this constant refreshing of the lessons that have always been learned maybe, especially the things that apply to us as far as the fundamentals are concerned, what is going to really matter whether we passed it on the day of judgment or not. So in this regard on one occasion, Hazrat Mu'az bin Jabal radiallahu ta'ala an, he came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he requested some advice. This was the occasion, according to some narrators, that he was now on a journey, he was being sent by Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself to go to Yemen as the Qazi, as the governor. He's going on a very important journey. And he's going on a very important mission because he's responsible to guide the entire population of Yemen in Deen. So on this occasion, he comes and he says, O Sini Ya Rasulullah, O Nabi of Allah, give me some wasiya, give me some advice. And we find this is something very, very common in the hadith. The Sahabai Kiram would come and ask for advice. And the lesson that we are to take from this is that we should be thirsty for advice of deen. When a person is starting off a business and he is not sure how to really make it a success because the first time he's embarking on something of this nature, that he doesn't even suffice on asking one person for advice or two people for advice. He makes it his point to ask 10 people. 
And anybody who think who he thinks may be able to help him, give him some few words which might assist him, he will ask. So in order to make one business work, in order to choose the correct career, in order to do something in terms of build one house, or some other mundane, simple things in life, we take advice. We don't take it for granted that I know it all. And we take advice from those who we know would be able to give us the correct advice. So when the worldly things we take this advice, what about that which will mean our passing or failing on the day of Qiyamah? Taking advice with regards to our success that will take us to Jannah, everlasting success. We should be thirsty to take this advice. We should be asking this advice. And then the other part of it is, we should have the heart to take advice also. We should be seeking it to start off with. And even if we didn't seek it and somebody gave us some advice, they gave us some words of counsel, then we should have the heart to take it. Unfortunately, many a times, if somebody says something to us, corrects us, then before even focusing on what the person is saying, we already start defending ourselves. thing to do is to take it, to accept it, then to reflect upon it. And if it applies, to apply it. And if it doesn't apply, then to its good advice, it just merely gives us some advice. So there's no need to take offense at any time if somebody advises us in terms of deen. That do this or don't do this. So in any case, Mu'az he asked Nabi Islam for advice. So Nabi Islam says to him, the first advice he gives him, When you build a house, you got to start off from the foundation. The foundation is not right, and no matter what happens thereafter, everything is going to collapse. The first advice Nabi Islam gives him, that worship Allah Ta'ala, and don't ascribe any partners to him. Now when we hear this advice, it's a very very straightforward thing to us, Worship Allah Ta'ala. Don't ascribe any partners to Him. But this actually encompasses the entire deen. Worshipping Allah Ta'ala means what? Anything and everything be for Allah Ta'ala alone and be according to what Allah Ta'ala wants from us. Whole deen comes into it. Ibadat is complete submission to Allah Ta'ala. It is the complete consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. What am I saying? That too is part of ibadat. That I say the correct things. I consciously refrain from the wrong things. That is part of ibadat. Obviously the faraiz, there's no question about it. Fulfilling our salah, zakat, fasting, hajj, etc. But deen and ibadat doesn't restrict itself to certain aspects of life. It encompasses everything. It encompasses the total consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. I can get away with deceiving one person, two people, ten people, maybe sometimes thousands of people also. I can't deceive Allah Ta'ala. There's one incident which highlights this, that to what extent, alhamdulillah, people had this conscience. Khatib Baghdadi rahimahullah in his kitab Tariq-e-Baghdad he narrates one incident 
that there was one trader in Baghdad. Life was carrying on very nicely. And then he decided, the lengthy incident, we just getting to the crux of it. He decided to take a second wife. Islam has permitted him. But unfortunately, he decided to do it secretly, which is a wrong thing. Because the spirit of nikah, the Prophet has explained in the hadith, أَعْلِنُ النِّكَاحِ masajid, Announce the nikah. And perform it in the masjid, in public. Doing it secretly is against the spirit of that nikah. So in any case, this person got married for the second time, but he did it secretly. Now as time went along, so his first wife noticed something has changed. What used to be the case before, things are not the same. Something is not right. So after some time, one day she told the maid, the slave woman, that you follow my husband tomorrow when he leaves home and carefully watch what he does, where he goes and come give me the whole report. In any case, the next day she followed quietly, secretly, without him being aware. And then she sees after he went first to his business, then he came for Zohar Salah. After Zohar Salah, instead of going back to the shop, he was going to some other direction. So she followed him quietly. Then she got to see him going into a certain house. So she went to the neighbor's house on some pretext. And in a roundabout way, talking about house things and whatever else, and uh, who lives next door? So the whole story came out. Oh, there's some lady living next door. She got married few, six months ago to this trader. And he comes the day normally. So the whole story came out. So she comes very quietly and reports the whole thing to the her master, the person, her employer. So that first wife says to her, that day you mention this to anybody, you keep quiet about it. And she keeps quiet about it. And she carries on like she doesn't even know what happened. And she carries on like everything is fine. What must have gone through her heart, only she knows. That she's not even revealing that she's aware of this. Though there was nothing wrong in terms of any haram that he committed, because it's the spirit of nikah to do it in that way. Time passed, eventually this person passed away. This is the point that we want to discuss. This person passed away. And he passed away after, now everything was, Denaza, everything was over. So this lady, the first wife, she started winding up everything, which is the thing to do with urgency. When a person has passed away, to wind up the estate with urgency. In the Hadith Sharif, it is mentioned that until the estate of the deceased is not wound, that person's entry in Jannat is suspended. So by delaying the winding up of the, of the estate, we are doing a great disservice to the marhum. So Nabi Salaam emphasized this greatly. And in winding up of that estate, every single item that he owned, from a toothpick to something worth billions, Everything forms part of that estate. Nothing is to be excluded. Then by mutual agreement, if there's no orphans in it, or by sorting it out in whichever way, then it is disposed of, that's up to the heirs. But nobody of their own accord can decide, well, this is the jewelry belonged to my mother, I'll just do what I want with it. And this is the old shoe, you never wore it for 10 years, just give it away to anybody. Without everybody's consent, you can't do that. 
And if there's orphans involved, you can't even take the orphans uh, permission in it. You have to put the value of that in the orphan share. So in any case, that's a, another subject on itself. So now she put everything together and then the wife shares one eighth. But if there's more than one wife, they share the one eighth. So there was 40,000 dinars, gold coins, which became the one eighth share. So she took 20,000 dinars, 20,000 gold coins and put it in a, wrapped it up, whatever. And she called that same maid and she said to her that you know the house you went to last or you saw last time. The house that my husband went to, that was the house of his second wife, you know the house. You take this to that lady and tell her that your husband has passed away. And then say to her that this is your share of the inheritance. Now imagine the taqwa, the conscious, this is ibadat, wa'abudillah. That worship Allah Ta'ala alone, in other words, be totally conscious of Him in everything. Not certain aspects of deen, and certain we forget about it. Everything, all encompassing. So any cases, maid comes with it, she meets that lady, and then she gives her the news first, that few days ago, two days ago, so and so the trader passed away, who was your husband, so she didn't even know about it, she starts crying and then she, this maid takes out that bag and he says that my master, the lady that owns me, she was a slave woman, she sent me with this, that this is your share of that inheritance. Because you also a wife, so the wives share the one-eighth, so this is 20,000 gold coins, like in our terms, 20,000 Krugerans, multiply it now. When she presented this, that lady who was the second wife, she says, wait. And then she goes and she opens one cupboard and she brings one sheet of paper, one page. And she says, look, I'm not entitled to this. Why I'm not entitled to this? Some months back, my husband had divorced me. And my iddat is also over. As a result, I'm no more, I was no more his wife at the time that he passed away and I was neither in my iddat. So therefore you take this back and you give it to the lady you brought it from that I don't own this and I don't, I'm not entitled to this. Now, this is on both ends. If she quietly kept it, nobody else knew she was besides that whole nikah was secret to start off with and nobody else knew she was divorced. She alone knew she was divorced. And the person who divorced her was already gone from the dunya. So if she kept it quietly, nobody would know the difference outwardly. And if this lady never sent it, nobody would have come to ask also. But both had the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. Both understood the reality of wa'budillah. Worship Allah Ta'ala alone. Wala tushrik bihi shay'a. So ibadat is not restricted to just certain aspects of deen. Indeed, Every aspect has to be fulfilled. Our salah, that's the most fundamental thing. Somebody says, I have very good akhlaq, but salah I don't perform, then he has lost out very seriously. And he's in serious trouble in the akhirat. So salah has to be performed, zakat has to be fulfilled, fasting, hajj. But deen is not confined to these a'mal alone. 
that consciousness of Allah Ta'ala, our dealings, the justice which we deal with people, the mu'asharat, the social life. So this was the first advice Nabi Sallallahu gave to him, وَعْبُدِ وَلَا تُشْرِكْ بِهِ شَيْئًا And don't commit any, don't ascribe any partners to Allah Ta'ala. One is, na'uzu billah, a person worships something besides Allah Ta'ala, that is shirk of the highest level. Or he does some righteous action, but the intention is to show makhluk, the creation of Allah Ta'ala. He's not doing it sincerely for Allah Ta'ala. He's doing something good, but his objective is something else. His objective is to get the praise of people. His objective is that how many people, what, what crowd I got. Rasulullah from his life we see to what extent he highlighted this. That there must be no other objective but the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Only, only objective in anything and everything. If I'm saying something, what's the motivation behind it? If I'm doing something, what's the motivation? Is the motivation the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala? Or the motivation something else? It could be a good day. I'd be spending my hard-earned wealth in the path of Allah Ta'ala. I could be doing somebody a favor. could be helping somebody out in some way. But what is the motivation behind it? Allah's Nabi Wasallam is undertaking this journey to Taif. It is a well-known incident. And we should be reading about these things. The Fazail Amal, right at the beginning, the first incident in the Fazail Amal is Taif. Nabi Wasallam undertakes a 60-mile journey. And he went on foot. And it's a lengthy incident. We know the incident. After having come to Taif and invited the people of Taif, the, the chiefs of Taif, towards Islam, towards Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. But everybody rejects him. And then they don't let him leave in peace also. Where he's stoned. And his Mubarak blood is Mubarak body is flowing with blood. And after all this, now he comes away, gets some refuge. What is his how does he now turn to Allah Ta'ala? Now this is a lesson that we are talking about. Only Allah Ta'ala's pleasure is the objective, nothing else. What we do, what we say, how we conduct ourselves, whether at home, whether in our businesses, whether in the masjid, whether in some social issue or a personal issue. But to keep checking that is this for Allah Ta'ala? And smiling at somebody is it for Allah Ta'ala? Or is it for some other motive? So Nabi Islam now raises his hands towards Allah Ta'ala. Allahumma inni ashku ilayka du'fa quwwati wa qillata heelati wa hawani ala nas. Ya Allah, whatever happened, can we imagine the level of humility? That how he is humbling himself. Ya Allah, whatever happened, this is my weakness. We are always ready to find the fault in somebody else. Whereas Rasulullah was totally faultless, 100% faultless. And those who persecuted him were 100% at fault. But when he's turning to Allah Ta'ala, Allahumma inni ashku ilayka du'fa quwwati. Allah is my weakness. Ya Allah, I didn't have the ability to really plan this well or make the arrangements in a way that would have been acceptable. Allah, this is my own situation. He is turning the issue towards himself. 
In one domestic situation also, we can't turn it towards ourselves. The husband is always right, and the wife is always right. There's never a wrong party. Parents are always right, and the children are always right. And everybody is always right. Because Allah's Nabi says, Ya Allah is my weakness. But then after all this, he says, Ya Allah, I was rejected by all these people. Nobody listened to me. I was stoned. My body is bleeding. But, إِن لَمْ تَكُنْ بِكَ عَلَيَّ غَضَبٌ فَلَا أُبَالِي غَيْرَ أَنَّ Allah, if you are not displeased, then I don't have any concern. My only concern is you must be pleased. If you are not displeased that I came back empty-handed, so to say, nobody took to my words, you are not displeased with that, Allah, I don't have any worry about it. I'm not concerned. My only concern is that you must not be displeased. But nevertheless, Ya Allah, Allah, I still ask for your afiyat, for your safety, for your protection. So I'm still in need of your protection and safety. My greatest objective, my greatest concern is your pleasure. Now this is that practical demonstration of wala tushrik bihi shay'a. Wala tushrik billahi shay'a. Don't ascribe any partners to Allah Ta'ala. Everything for Allah Ta'ala alone. No attention towards anything else. In terms of who praised me and who criticized me, who helped me and who discarded me, who was good to me and who was not good to me. Is Allah Ta'ala pleased? Allah Ta'ala is pleased, then everything is good. Ek tu mera, to sab mera. Falak mera zameen meri. Ya Allah, if you are mine, then everything is mine. The skies are mine, the earth is mine. Ek tu nahi mera, to koi shay nahi meri. If you are not mine, I have everything else, but you are not mine, I have got nothing. So this is the lesson Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave us Mu'az radiallahu ta'ala an. Outwardly it was just two words, or two small sentences. But these two small sentences encompass the whole deen. So Mu'az, everything revolves around your total submission to Allah Ta'ala. Don't ascribe any partner to Allah Ta'ala. Then Hazrat Mu'az says to him, Zidni ya Nabi Allah. O Nabi of Allah Ta'ala, give me more advice. Tell me something more. He's going on a journey. And he's going on a very long journey. And he already was given the indication that you will come back someday. Nabi also gave him the indication. And you'll come back someday, I won't be around. That perhaps you will pass by my grave. Nabi also told it to him. He knows this is the last meeting. In the last meeting, he's asking for advice. And the advice he'll be given is obviously the most crucial advice. So he says, Zidni ya Nabi Allah, give me more advice. Nabi Sallallahu says to him, that, Ida asa'ta fa ahsin. If you have made a mistake, insan, you are a human being, the Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam are sinless people, they cannot do anything wrong, they are divinely protected and safeguarded. The rest of insan are insan, Though Allah Ta'ala protects his special servants, but you can slip up, you can make a mistake. If you make a mistake, don't persist on it. But remove that harm of that mistake by doing some righteous action. 
as in another hadith, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi says, if you made a mistake, some sin got, you slipped up into something, then quickly do some righteous actions, make sincere tawbah, and then do some righteous actions. That righteous action will cause that sin to be wiped out, to be deleted. In the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةَ طَرَفَيِ النَّهَارِ وَزُلَفًا مِّنَ اللَّيْلِ إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّعَاتِ And this is another very deep lesson in this, that before bringing this point, that the righteous actions will delete their evil, the first command in there is, وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ Establish salah, طَرَفَيِ النَّهَارِ On the two ends of the day, which specifically refers to Fajr and Asr, وَزُلَفًا مِنَ اللَّيْلِ الْمَغْرِبِ uh, And Isha. Fajr, Asr, and Isha. So Zuhar and Maghrib is not first? No, these are the most difficult ones for most people. So if a person is going to be very conscious of these three salah, the other two will fall in automatically. So the specific emphasis in the Qur'an Sharif on salah, and then on top of that, these salah in particular, in the Hadith Nabi Sallallahu says, لَوْ يَعْلَمُ النَّاسُ فِي الصُّبْحِ وَالْعَتَمَى لَأَتَوْهُمَا وَلَوْ حَبْوَى فِي الْعَتَمَةِ وَالصُّبْحِ لَأَتَوْهُمَا وَلَوْ حَبْوَى If people knew what is the value of Isha and Fajr, not just performing it, performing it in Jama'ah, in the Masjid. لَأَتَوْهُمَا They would come for Isha and Fajr, even if they had to crawl and come. Even if they had to crawl to the Masjid, they would crawl to the masjid for the reward of Isha and Fajr with Jama'ah. Like if for example, suddenly there's an announcement made here that tomorrow morning there'll be one one gold coin. That lady who gave that 40,000 back, 20,000 back, maybe that bag reach here somehow. So each one will be dished out one one coin. But it'll be dished out Fajr then. I'm sure we'll definitely have a bigger crowd than we have today now. And somebody might crawl and come also. So Nabi Islam is saying that had we known the value of Isha and Fajr in Jama'ah, then they would come even there to crawl for it. Then he asked Nabi Islam for more advice. Salah is something we can't uh, emphasize enough. The whole Quran Sharif, hundreds of times, Allah Ta'ala repeats the command of Salah, Aqimis Salah, Aqimis Salah. Establish Salah in your life. The first question in the, on the day of Qiyamah, and this is the dividing line between a mu'min and somebody without iman. As mentioned in the hadith of Rasulullah So the greatest importance to salah. Then Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has asked for more advice. Oh Nabi of Allah, give me more advice. Zidni ya Nabi Allah. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says to istaqim. That be steadfast on deen. Not one day there's some high and the next day is a low. Be steadfast, be constant and steadfast. And wal nas adopt good character, akhlaq. And one riwayat, one narration as Mu'azman says, the last thing, after I put my foot into the stirrup, and as I was about to take off, the last thing Nabi Sallallahu said to me again, Ahsin nas ya Mu'ad. Or Mu'ad, have good character with everybody. Deal with good akhlaq. Unfortunately, this is where we come and slip up very badly. And often we slip up most with those who are closest to us. Our own wives, our children, our kith and kin, our own parents. 
Whereas akhlaq, the greatest akhlaq is with those who are closest with us. And then for everybody else. Often sometimes there's good akhlaq with others outside. But those who are closest to us, they bear the brunt of the worst in us. They hear the worst kind of languages from us. And all the good treatment that was meted outside, the whole quota of good treatment was already exhausted outside. And all the bad is left for inside. All the smiles are left outside. And all the frowns are inside. All the wonderful long conversations are for outside. And inside the house, the person has exhausted his quota for speaking. So now so many emails come, my husband is only sitting on the phone when he's in the house. And what he's doing, either he's chatting with somebody else, or he's playing games. His pachpan, but his bachpan hasn't gone. Pachpan in Urdu means 55. And bachpan means childhood. So his pachpan is 55, because his bachpan hasn't gone through. Childhood hasn't gone. So the akhlaq requires that we show the greatest akhlaq to those who are closest to us. And the real akhlaq is where there's a challenge. Somebody is very good to us and we are good in return. That is basic humanity. That is, if that too is not the case, somebody is showing us good akhlaq and we are showing bad akhlaq, that is below humanity. So the last thing Nabi Sassam said to him as he's leaving now, leaving on the last meeting, they're not going to meet again. Nabi Sassam says to him, Ahsin khuluqaka linnas ya mu'ad. Make sure your akhlaq is good with everybody. So these are the advices, not just to Hazrat Mu'az, these advices were via the sahaba kiram to every person till the day of Qiyamah. Each one is to be regarding these advices as directed directly to him. I have to regard it as directed to me personally. And everybody has to regard it directed to each one personally. This is the plea of Rasulullah to each one of us. How we are supposed to conduct ourselves what we are supposed to do and what not to do. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to bring this entire deen in our lives, to make us conscious of what our obligation is to Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. And that we do everything solely for Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. All the various efforts of deen take place. In this is all the ikhtimas that take place as well. Inshallah in June, it's two months from now, in, on the 14th to 16th of June is the ikhtimah taking place in Ispingo Beach. For that too, we should already be preparing ourselves to keep that aside, those days aside, to attend that istima, inshallah. So that we become conscious of the same reality, nothing else. But how we can totally submit ourselves to Allah wa ta'ala and serve the deen of Allah ta'ala. May Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq.